You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Lindsay Holiday, host of the History Tea Time YouTube channel and podcast. Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that this show is liberally sprinkled with colorful language. If profanity spoils your party, then this may not be the podcast for you. But if you enjoy expletives in your comedy history podcast, then I think you're going to love it. You may also like the taste of my podcast, History Tea Time, where I spill the tea on history. I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ royals from across the world, explore royal family trees, put modern royalty into historic context, and much more. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Oh my goodness, we are back to talk about some more Victoria Woodhull. Have you have you recovered from the scandal of her childhood? Uh yes, and I'm back 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 again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for more. Oh my goodness, we were hoping that we would have her ent- entire life story out before the upcoming election. Um, since she is the first female to run for president. But y'all, this this life <laughs> has taken so many twists yeah. and turns. <laughs> like in her life, she had like five past lives. Right. <laughs> we are not even going to get to her run for president in this second episode. She's extra. <laughs> she is so extra. That's why like when I keep hearing about people doing biopics on like the Tudor Queens and Cleopatra. I'm like, that's interesting and all, but there are so many other women with like <laughs> these banana life stories. Uh, and Victoria <laughs> Woodhull is one of them. But before we dive in, let's do some shout outs. And we have our Patreon shout outs. We want to shout out Laura and Theo. Hey, Theo. We want to wish you and Hannah a very, very happy engagement. Yes, that's so exciting. And also a shout out to Taylor and Alexis. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters at every level. And thanks to all of our listeners. You guys are the reason we do what we do. So where did we leave off? So Vicky escaped a super bad marriage and she has a new hubby and (laughs) his name is Colonel Blood. I mean, the blood Colonel. (laughs) It's very rock and roll. I love it. Yes. And so her blood Colonel and her sister, Tennessee, are heading to New York. Yep. And again, we're a little hazy on like the legality of yield blood colonel marriage yeah and we're not sure if there's like a valid divorce yeah there's no marriage certificate but again it's back in a time when nothing was digitalized it mm-hmm. that might get lost because she wasn't a celebrity or anything yet and there's no official divorce filing so it's basically like um new mailbox who dis so we don't know <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if she actually divorced her first husband before marrying her second husband but it's really not important yeah it doesn't fucking matter because she didn't like him anyway so she she practiced free love which a big part of that was well i don't feel like i'm emotionally married to that guy anymore and now i'm emotionally married to this guy so that's all that matters which you do you girl that's awesome Right. So while they were making their way to New York, Colonel Vicky, a uh, Colonel Vicky, the, <laughs> the Colonel and Vicky get some time to make, you know, get to know each other better. Yeah. So 
you know, Victoria is like this really well-traveled woman, but she's not like super educated in that formal sense. So yeah. she really wouldn't be on top of like the to-dos of today. She's lived in a bunch of places, but while she was living in San Francisco and Chicago and like all these important places where things are happening, she was so wrapped up in caring for like her special needs child, making sure that her drunk husband um, wasn't dead in the streets. But she didn't have time to like educate herself and get involved with civil things. Make sure your husband's not drunk in the streets. Make sure he's not dead, doing good. And so blood is like giving her civic education basically. And so she is telling him like, her beliefs about marriage. And she was like, I think we should be equal. I don't think I should have to bow down to you in a marriage. I don't think if I decide that, you know, if we decide we don't love each other, we shouldn't have to bring the law into it. And like every step of the way, he's like, yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it's just, she's just like blown away. She's, he's like, yeah, this is already a theory. It's, it's this theory called free love. And he's also like, do you know what the separate jets are? And she, we don't know exactly how that conversation went. She probably <laughs> went, um, I've heard of them, but I'm not super familiar. And so he's like, oh yeah, this is this whole movement of women that want to have equal rights to men and want the right to vote you should get in with them. And she's like, I should get in with them. So that sounds like a little bit of fun, but that sounds like my thing. Yeah. <laughs> but quick side note about their relationship. So Mr. Blood really just seems to like admire Vicky for like who she is, like nothing more than that. So yeah. that made that must have made her feel like, you know, I'm Queen B, like I'm on top of the world. Right? I'm the exact opposite of what was in my last marriage where he made me feel like an idiot. Yes, <laughs> or even like her, her father, where like she was made to feel important, but she wasn't valued. You know what I oh mean? Oh my God, who knew being treated well and valued makes you feel important and getting shit done. Like I mean, makes you have confidence. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> it just really seems like he saw her potential. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he really believed that she could accomplish whatever she put her mind to. And so, yeah, like you said, who to thunk it, it made her feel happy and made her do her best work. Mm, she shined bright like a diamond. Shine bright <laughs> like a diamond. In case you haven't picked up, I like Colonel Blood. <laughs> um, they get back to NYC and Victoria says she was sent a, a vision of where to go to look for housing. It's so extra. I love this. She's like, I saw a vision. I'm seeing an address in my mind. And it's like, did you maybe see it in this uh, newspaper with the listings of apartments? The wanted ads. And she's like, I saw it. The spirits are telling me where to go. Gotta fucking love her. I love it. They end up at, the address is 17 Great Jones Street. And it was a fully furnished apartment, like she saw in her vision, <laughs> a.k.a. the newspaper. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> gotta love her. It's a love lot her. nicer. It's a lot nicer than where she lived in Ohio. I mean, no no yeah. shade on Ohio. Well, no, but, no shade in, on Ohio, but in everywhere else she's lived, she's living in these, like, rackety, rickety, like, the, their place in Ohio was, like, falling apart. And then mm -hmm. she's living in, like a decrepit apartment in San Francisco with her husband. So now they're getting this place that's like a furnished apartment. I mean, it's not a mansion, but it's really but it's nice better. with their standards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Googled it, um, 17 Great Jones Street. It's now a crosswalk. It is not a thing that is there anymore. Before the time, it wasn't the slums. So step up. Yay, Vicky. Yes. <laughs> so, so they settle in, and by they, we mean Vicky, Tinny, Jimmy Blood, and Vicky's two kids. And before you know it, the Claflin clan finds them and enrolls One-Eyed Buck in Mama one Roxy. <laughs> one-Eyed Buck and Foxy Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So along with a couple, uh, yeah, her sisters came in there too. 
Yeah, snuck, and their husbands the and their kids. But like, what I think is really interesting is the dynamic has changed. Mm-hmm. So when she was this kid making all the money for the family and being abused, basically, yeah. she had no power. But now that it was her husband's name on the lease, even though that's still by our standards, not great. But it's like, yeah, it's still it's a power shift in dynamic. You know what I mean? That now it's like y'all can't disrespect me. This is my house. This is my Amen. house. <laughs> <laughs> you are living here because I said you could. Yeah, and the bitch, I can kick you out. <laughs> exactly. So the power dynamic shifted. So that's I'm happy for that for her. That's cool. They really fit in in this neighborhood. I mean, it, so she really found like this weird home and all of these noisy and tacky families. And so she really fit in here. The book I have been reading to study for this is called Notorious Victoria. And they talk about, you know, back in Ohio, her big and noisy and disruptive family was viewed as such like a pain in the ass and no one, Mm -hmm. like they were such outcasts. But in New York, all of the families were big and noisy and disruptive. So they didn't stand out, you know, it was like, okay. Heaven, (laughs) I'm in heaven. (laughs) Okay, so time to work and make some money, honey. So looking to do some work, work, work (laughs) (laughs) as a spiritualist. Yes. Um, And, you know, spiritualists at the time, they're a dime a dozen. So it was going to like take some creativity to reinvent her career. Yeah. (laughs) There were some rumors that Tennessee, you know, took some jobs that were, um, how shall we say, not good and then maybe Mm. um she's given handies like the cigar shop yeah like (laughs) um spiritualism with a happy ending maybe (laughs) oh it's so bad girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do i'm not judging money money you gotta you gotta make your money somehow so i don't know how daddy buck did this next thing but thank god he did he makes a connection with this guy, Nathan, maybe you've heard of him, Cornelius Vanderbilt. Oh, oh, that rich guy that did all the trains and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anderson Cooper's great, great, great grandmother oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. Lots of money. Yes. <laughs> if you're not from the U.S. or you're just not familiar with like early U.S. capitalism, Vanderbilt was the richest man in the ma- in America at the time close to the richest man in the world like he easily yeah money 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 he Mm -hmm. he's a rags to riches story he started from the bottom now he's the richest man in the world (laughs) did it all himself his parents worked on railroads and he got like a little bit of money and invested in railroads and they took off (laughs) yeah like literally at the time of his death this dude is worth in like today's money two point Three billion. With a B. Billion. With a B, honey. <laughs> a bitch. <So> yeah. <laughs> he did all right for himself. B is for bitch. B is for <laughs> billions, <laughs> bitch. It's Britney billions, bitch. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so, so needless to say, he's he's done all right for himself. He's, he's done all right for himself. <laughs> Um, but because he was born to like a dirt poor family, he never really felt comfortable with like the upper crust of society. So that must be how One-Eyed Buck got his foot in the door. I still don't fully understand. I know, I'm just picturing this guy with one eye hobbling into the bar being like, hey, I heard hey. you're Cornelius Vanderbilt. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so Vanderbilt's wife, of many years had just died and his own health wasn't doing great. He was getting up there in years, you know. He's not a fresh young chicken anymore. No, no. (laughs) He didn't trust conventional medicine and doctors. 
which being that her first husband, Cannon, was a doctor, I don't Quote, unquote. Him. This is a very, very loosely word doctor. Well, that was all <laughs> doctors back then. I don't yeah. blame him one bit for being like, I don't know that I trust you guys. <laughs> so he was looking, he had also been using spiritualism like mediums to talk to his parents for a couple of years already at this point. So he was like looking for alternative medicine options. He ain't afraid of no ghosts. No. Like he he's looking for he's looking for answers, basically. <laughs> um, but you know, he was into this practice that we call magnetic healing, which makes me think of like in the early nineties, you have like a magnetic bracelet and it was supposed to like heal you all of your problems. I don't I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's the same thing. Oh. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> Tennessee had been practicing this for a while. Do you remember in the last episode when we talked about when she would do like the spiritual healing to try to pull cancer out of people? Mm-hmm. That was magnetic healing. Uh... But then do you remember how her dad would then sell them like a cancer healing elixir that would then burn their skin off? That yeah. wasn't part of it. <laughs> they they did not try to sell Cornelius Vanderbilt the, the lion opium poison. Well, that's that's good because you might have had a lawsuit or two. Yes. <laughs> so s- somehow Buck gets in front of Vanderbilt, and he is like, "I I don't I don't I don't know how." Do you think they were running in the same circles? Do you think they went to the same church? He's a like, he's how? a he's a snake oil salesman, honey. He can find his way into any circle. Like he's he's, he's just gonna that. slither his way in. I'm a snake. <laughs> I'm a snake. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Somehow he eventually gets in front of Vanderbilt, and he tells Vanderbilt, "I have these two little girls." Which is gross. Ew. Gross. Also, Victoria's like 30 at this point. She ain't little. She's not little. No. But he descri- he's, I've got these two little girls. And he's like, the older sister is an experienced medium. And like, the spirits are just dying to talk through her. They cannot get enough of her. And also, she's super pretty. So bonus. And then he was like, and then her younger sister is an experienced spiritual healer with magnetic healing. It's magnetic um, hands. Yes, magnetic <laughs> hands. She does that, um, the, the healing massage or what the fuck ever. And if you thought the first sister was pretty, hold on to your butts because the second sister's even prettier. Which side I, note, I, they, they always say, everything always says that Tennessee was the prettier sister. But when I look up pictures of them, because there were, you know, actual photography at the time, they look like the exact same person to me. Yeah, they honestly look exactly alike, except exactly alike to me. obviously Victoria is a little bit older because she's the older sister. Yeah, she was like <laughs> think, six years older. So yeah. and I, you know, there's some creepy old men. So obviously the younger one's always the prettier one. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, they look- <laughs> They're the similar. From the beauty standards of the time, Tennessee was considered the more beautiful. But anyway, Vanderbilt's like two sisters that can help me with my spiritualism. Yeah, let's do it. On board. Y'all, I shit you not, it fucking worked. So like by 18, these sisters are like the main spiritual advisors to the richest guy in the fucking United States. Anna's. (laughs) And not only are they just spiritualists, they're like BFFs, y'all. Like, <laughs> they're tight. They are like in the Vanderbilt inner circle. Oh, by the way, Tinny becomes his mistress. Mm. That might be nice. I mean, it's mm. debated. It's debated on no, whether or not they I don't. <laughs> People are like, it's debated if he she became his mistress. No, she would go to his office and sit on his lap. Yeah, that's not a debatable. He called her his little sparrow. Again with the word little. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she was short. I don't know anything about their heights. I don't know. I've they're never, fucking. They're fucking. I have no doubt in my mind that Tennessee and Vanderbilt were fucking. So also like his house staff said that she would spend the night with him like 
all the time. So Yeah, they would never find them in the same bed, but they would find her in a bed there, naked. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, like, obviously he had gone off to another bed or something after all the fucking. But they're Some, fucking. They're definitely fucking. Some people say they that she that he proposed to Tennessee and that she said no because she was like I'm gonna lose all my rights I'm gonna lose da 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 I I don't know if I believe that because obviously he's gonna die years and years and years before you because he's in his 60s and you're in your 20s so just take the money honey (laughs) so I don't think he proposed marriage to her also because he had like a big family of people. He ended up marrying a distant cousin that was about Tennessee's age, but then kept Tennessee as a mistress. And I, I think like his family never would have let him marry that bitch down from Ohio. You know? Yeah, spiritualist from Ohio. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no shade, but. Mm-mm. Anyway. <laughs> Rabbit hole complete. Rabbit uh, hole. There's plenty of them that you can go down in this story. Oh my God. So <laughs> it's true. So as this relationship with Vanderbilt evolves, he starts teaching them about the world of Ka-ching, ka-ching. Money, finance. Money. <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching. And Victoria kind of becomes a little bit obsessed about it. She's like, well, if I can make this $1 into 100 why not? <laughs> Which I, I feel like being the daughter of a con man, it makes yeah. sense. You're, yeah. like, you're like, wait, it's like gambling, but it's legal? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and also she's smart she yeah education can get you so far but natural curiosity is a whole different mm-hmm. thing and i feel like she's just got that do you agree she's just kind of no that. I, she's yeah. got that from her dad she's yeah. got that from her upbringing so literally vanderbilt is like giving her stock tips and then vicky would end up passing those on to her husband who would then go and like invest the money in the stocks and then oh my god we have so much money now. Is that insider trading? I don't understand what insider trading is. <laughs> I don't uh, understand the stock I can, market. I can, I can kind of explain insider trading to you, but this is a whole nother rabbit hole. Well, don't, don't, don't. Is it insider trading then? No. It's okay. Not. Because okay, insider okay. trading would just basically be like, hey, our stocks for our company are going to go down this month. So take your Okay. Out. So just getting tips from the a rich guy it's a financial advisor. advisor okay, okay. he's a Come financial on. advisor okay. <laughs> either way now the sisters have they have an income from working with vanderbilt as a spiritual advisor and then they also have an income coming in from the stock market so watch out world here we fucking come <laughs> these sisters start to make a name for themselves because there are no other women trying their hands at finance or at least like doing it so openly. Most women that like want to invest send their husbands or their brothers to do it. Well, they did have to send the blood colonel to do it because women were not allowed on the trading floor. Ugh. Bag of dicks. Bag of dicks. So yeah, there was one story about like, Cornelius Vanderbilt gave them some like really hot tip and she just sent Tennessee like out like go buy this stock or trade this stock again I don't understand how it works but like so Tennessee ran out there to do the do the thing with the stock and they wouldn't let her in and so she had to go find Colonel Blood to go do it for her and it's like what is are my boobs going to distract everybody on the floor so much that no one's going to be able to focus on finance? <laughs> she like, showed too much of her wrist. Oh my God. Oh. Those dainty little wrist. <laughs> oh, I can't breathe. So <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that they like start taking liberties with their backstory. Oh so, yeah, they do. Uh, it's not, I, I, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when they meet someone they would be like hey my dad was a lawyer you know we grew up helping him and his law firm he was a snake oil salesman bitch. yes <laughs> he was one-eyed buck <laughs> but buck did call him like if you go to buck's wikipedia page that exists 
lawyer is one of the professions listed. And I feel like, yeah, because you need to know how the law works if you're breaking it so much. <laughs> also, it's basically like getting the doctor degree. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. So I guess there's one thing being like, yeah, our dad was a lawyer. We learned law and finance from him. But then they would also be like, oh, we went to such and such private school. Bitch, no, you didn't. <laughs> you went to school for, you went to school for, for three years off and on. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> but, you know, I understand why they did it. Yeah. And then um, they kept most of their family very, very much out of the public eye. As you would, because Uncle Buck's only got one eye. So <laughs> Buck would often go out with them when they do like social events or like networking with like Colonel Blood. You know, they were meeting people in the finance world trying to do some insider trading. <laughs> well, Buck was so good at networking. He was yeah. so good at schmoozing people, you know, and he knew that he would get a cut from whatever his daughters got. Or at least a free place to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just knew how to grift and be like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I'm a, I'm a legitimate businessman. And it just made, it made Tennessee and Victoria look more legit on top of it. So I get why they did it, even though it was false. It yeah. Was right. <laughs> so, so Vicky is starting to make a name for herself. She wants to get more involved in this suffragette movement. I mean, girls, this is 1869. So it's like prime time for yeah. suffragettes. It's really interesting that she didn't want to like get involved until she had connections and money. So it was like, I do think that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. She, cause she could have joined the suffragette movement as a no one, but she wanted to wait until she had something to contribute. Don't you, like she wanted to wait until she had some clout until she was friends with the fucking richest man in the, the country. Exactly. I think that's interesting that she wanted to bring some clout before she got there. Yeah. I think she needed to, she wanted the tiara before she walked into the room. Oh, Cause really? everybody's a queen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so she makes her, she makes her way to Washington DC and attends the first national female suffragette convention. Well, she got more into the movement. She was less and less impressed with the movement. Oh, this is a whole nother rabbit hole. This is a whole nother rabbit hole that we will try to keep as concise as po as possible yes. while still moving the, the story forward. Though I would like to note, this is one of the reasons that this turned into a three-part episode instead of a two-part episode is because there are so many major players in this story that comes up that we could just be like, um, oh, and then so she met Susan B. Anthony and move on and assume. Uh-huh, casual. <laughs> but instead we did want to do like a slight dive into who these people were. Because they do deserve a voice. Like Cornelius <laughs> Vanderbilt, you know, like we, we needed to explain who he was. So anyway, first of all, so she gets to the movement. First of all, she was like, it's all people that already support the movement. So what's the fucking point of having a bunch of hippies gather around together and be like, yay, we love pot. Like, <laughs> That is, um, it's not exactly on the nose, but yes. General idea. <laughs> but no, she's like, what is the point if everybody, we all agree on the same thing and everybody here at this convention already agrees on the same thing and all the newspapers covering it are special interest. We already agree on the same thing. So we are literally preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need to preach to those sinners, honey. <laughs> right. Second, the movement was broken into factions. So basically today we'd call them the liberals and the conservatives. The liberals were run by the aforementioned Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. I, I still like to say Caddy because it Caddy. reminds me of Mean Girls. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is spelled like Caddy. It I'm is. like, did they, was that a reference, Tina Fey? <laughs> it could have been. Oh my gosh. It might be. <laughs> but if you know anything about the American suffragist movement, 
if you know one name from the movement, you know Susan B. Anthony. If you know yeah. two names from the movement, you know Elizabeth Kevin Staten. These two women were like the the Beyonces of the movement, basically. <laughs> Katie's mind just blew. blew. <laughs> Beyonces. <laughs> and of the conservative faction, there was a number of people, but the people we're going to focus on is a cluster of siblings the Beecher family. Ah, uh, this is a whole nother rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> this is whatever it's like. It's basically just like women's suffrage movement. There's some great things that happened out of it. And there's some like, ooh. <laughs> yes. Just like anything else in history. Yes. It's complicated. Yes. <laughs> the Beecher family, the person you probably know off the top of your head is Harriet Beecher Stowe. She wrote, uncle tom's cabin yeah and they're like a huge abolitionist family so yay yeah and and they wanted women to have the right to vote so yay yay double yay they had some other beliefs they um (laughs) didn't believe in divorce which for the time i get it but they didn't believe in equality in marriage it was still very much like traditional and so there's like this huge divide in the suffragist movement i wrote in my notes on my kindle lol if the conservatives hate divorce they're really gonna hate vicky foreshadowing (laughs) oh my god it's so true i went down so many rabbit holes with this like reading about the different factions i mean like why did they hate each other it's like oh oh yeah and they're all going (laughs) for the same end result idea Yeah. yeah Without digressing too much, let's discuss some of these people because they are important. Yes. And again, I just always assume everyone knows the same things I do. But if you're not from America, you might not know Susan B. Anthony. Yeah. So Susan B. Anthony is Beyonce of the movement. She is Beyonce. She is the big, like, if you know, to this day, when when women go and vote, they go and put their I voted stickers on her headstone. Work, bitch. Yeah. And then her her partner in crime is uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, which Mm -hmm. is uh, basically like Lady Gaga. Yes. That's a very good, yes. (laughs) Yes, Gaga. Yes, Gaga. Yeah, so they're they're a pretty big deal, bitch. And so the Beecher family, again, like we said, they are traditionalist. So like gonna clutch their pearls if you bring mm. up sex, divorce, birth control. But they do fundamentally believe that we're all people, so we should all have a voice in a democracy. Mm-hmm. So cool. Harriet Beecher Stowe. Even if you've never read Uncle Tom's Cabin and you grew up in America, you probably know the name. But at the time, her brother was the bigger celebrity. And his name was Henry Ward Beecher. Hank Beecher was (laughs) a famous evangelical preacher. So Preacher Beecher. He was the preacher Beecher. (laughs) (laughs) And this dude, so he was in an unhappy marriage. And he was a ladies' man. He had hoes in every area code. He has like <laughs> this dude fucks a lot. Did like, they I, have like area codes back then? If it wasn't no, area codes, he, he, had hose, he had a hose in different zip codes. Did they even have zip codes? I don't even know. He had <laughs> this guy fucks, is what I'm getting at. He had lots of mistresses. So let's put a pin in that. Drop that pin, and we're going to visit that in episode three. But just remember, the preacher Beecher has hoes. He fucks. He has hoes. <laughs> yes. So Vicky thinks this divide in the suffragist movement is like fucking dumb because I also agree it's kind of fucking dumb. Yeah. And she's like, y'all, you're doing this wrong. Like, this is all wrong. She really doesn't want to, like, make friends with people in the movement, but she disagrees with the way that they're doing it. Not Mm -hmm. what they're doing, but the way they're doing it. Yeah. So she goes home and tells her punk rock husband, Colonel Blood, and Mm -hmm. she's like, was just, like, a bunch of these people, like, arguing amongst themselves? And they never really had a plan. 
She so... describes it. She describes it as a teacup hurricane, and I don't know the fuck that means, but it sounds like an awesome band name. So she's she's a little disenfranchised by this movement, is totally. what we're getting at. Um, real quick side note about how the general press viewed the suffragist movement. They called it unfeminine, man-hating, ugly women that can't get husbands, so they're taking it out by wanting to vote. Um, side note, most suffragists had husbands. Not that that fucking matters. <sighs> like, I mean, Susan B. Anthony didn't, but Katie oh, So what, you're afraid, you're, you're afraid of a bunch of old, bitter ladies voting? Oh. <laughs> but it's just so annoying that throughout, in mm. every country that the suffragist movement was a big deal, they portray them as these women that can't get husbands. And it's like, okay, 80% of them did have Yeah, and it's like, well, that's what they had to do because guess what? History's a bag of dicks. A bag of dicks. <laughs> anyway, one of the newspapers wrote calling them mummified and fossilated female labor under the feelings of strong hatred towards men. Um, Victoria was like, we need to rethink our PR our PR plan here. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good idea. Um, we need a Kim Kardashian makeover. Yes. So Vicky comes home and she's like talking to blood about this. And she's like, there's this inner fighting. They're approaching it all wrong. All they're talking about is the boat, 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 boat. But until there is a fundamental change in relationships between men and women, between husband and wife in our society, what's going to change? Because a husband could be like, who are you going to vote for? And if the wife is going to be like, I'm going to vote for the guy you're not voting for, he can legally put her in a mental institution. Yeah, literally. Like, this is not a joke. Like, so she's like, who cares if we have the vote? If like, you we don't have equality. You have to shift the way your thinking is and be like, okay, this has to be practical. Like we have to make this work in the foundation. She's like, they need to see us as equals before they're gonna give us any rights. Yeah, and then then that's like, women are still doing that right now. Like you want to be seen as a woman, as a partner or a professional with another man. But right now you probably, we aren't considered that <laughs> like and it's true like yeah. it's it's sad but you know some things will never change but yeah. we are making them change <laughs> so vicky is still learning and growing and her like education about the stock markets from vanderbilt and in 1869 there was like this huge stock market crash mm. they were like fuck that's a big portion of our money gone and Vanderbilt goes, it'll come back. Like, because everybody was panicking, selling their stocks. It's super, super cheap. He was like, this is going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Just go, just go buy all the cheap, cheap stocks. And that's what they did. And at first they lost a shitload of money, like a hundred fucking thousand dollars shitload of money. Yeah. And that's like. And what? their money. And their 1870s money. <laughs> money. That's like millions of dollars. Yeah, my butthole is clenched. Ooh. And after about two months, they ended up buying up all those stocks and making $700,000. Yeah. $700,000. And that's, again, in their money. So in our money, I believe that's like $23 million. That's a shitload of money. Bitch better have my money. (laughs) Bitch better have my 1870 hundreds money. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Making that coin, (laughs) y'all. What we're getting at is she is now rich, bitch. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, she's sharing it with her husband and her sister. But still. She's only like 31. They do night. Yes. So she looks at her husband and her sister and she's like, hmm, let me check my bank account. Hmm. Doesn't seem that good. Hmm. I think I know how to make men see me as an equal Mm -hmm. to that money, honey. (laughs) Yeah. So they start a brokerage firm and it is the first 
financial firm started by women in the United States. That's huge. That's huge. I need a moment to process this hugeness. Let's take a little bit of a break. Yes. I'll be right back with you. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. All right. Y'all, this was a bananas fucking time. There had never been a female stockbroker before, let alone one that owned her own fucking farm, you know? Power broker. I know. (laughs) Yeah. She she spoke to a newspaper at the time and basically was like, women are shamed out of taking part in this kind of thing by men, but I'm here to show you that a woman can do a man's job. At the time, now that seems like, oh yeah, not something women were saying in the 80s. Yeah, this was the 1770s or the 1870s. 1870s. (laughs) But it was still still, 150 years ago. That is so... (laughs) Like it was at that time, such like a revolutionary thought that like a woman can do whatever job a man can do. They move forward with their firm and they call it Woodhill, Kathleen and Co. And the Co was Colonel Blood because again, women couldn't go on to like the stock trading, like without a man. Yes. Without a man behind you. So you had and company, which is and my husband. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because <laughs> Bagadix. Bagadix. On February 5th, 1870, their firm opened. And it was, it was the fanfare. Like yeah. it makes me think of, what it made me think of, if I'm being honest, is you know how Kim Kardashian right now is like doing law school? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Kardashian sisters opened a law firm is like what it made me think of. Like the fanfare. Everyone was like all up. Like it was this huge (laughs) to do. Yes. Yeah. So just the novelty of it obviously brought them in more people than it usually would. But there's no such thing as bad press, right? Right. So Tinny and Vicky adopted this style that everyone talked about a lot to do it was so So, scandalous yes they wore almost the equivalent of the business suit or the power suit for you know the 80s woman you know Mm -hmm. they had that you know tailored jackets little you know ties on them little short skirts quote unquote. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see nathan's quote-unquote short skirts when we say they wore short skirts it means uh to to above their ankles oh girls side note about those short skirts new york city at this time had almost as many horses as people horses just shit in the streets yeah they just they piss in the streets one time i wore bell bottoms with my family 
to a Renaissance fair and it rained really, really Ew. bad. Ew. And I was walking around in the muddy grounds of the Renaissance fair. And by the end of the day, just like the gross of the wet, muddy water had gotten up to my knees. And so like whenever people are like, I can't believe they wanted to wear skirts above their ankles. It's like, yeah, because they didn't want horse shit up to their knees. (laughs) Everybody should have been worried. (laughs) Men should have been in high waters. Everybody in New York City. (laughs) But it was very provocative that they wanted to show their ankles. Ankles. (laughs) So a lot of people were against it, obviously, and would come and like taunt them with threats because that's usually what happens when people are dicks. And but when you have, you know, Cornelius Vanderbilt. Maybe you've heard of him. In your back pocket as a backer, you know, he's talking you up. So pretty much gets rid of anybody who's a naysayer. So let them taunt. Let let them hate and watch them hate and let the money pile up. As Fiddy says. Haters mean you're doing something right. Exactly. (laughs) So funnily enough, at the time, he wasn't like an official, official investor, though... He probably fronted over a lot of money to get this started. Cornelius Vanderbilt was not an official investor, but they had a portrait of him hanging in their lobby. So he was. (laughs) So it was like, Cornelius is watching over you. Choose your next steps wisely. (laughs) So the press fucking loved this. Like loved it. Yeah, they coined Vicky as the queen of finance. So she is a queen. Yeah, what a what what a better name. The Queen of Finance. Not too shabby. <laughs> they did pretty well for themselves too. I mean, they were not the most successful financial firm on Wall Street, but they also they did a good job, is what I'm getting at. Like mm-hmm. they were more than a novelty, but in, like at the end of the day. So but they were also they had a back door. For women to come in. Oh, you can call me by my back door. Mm. (laughs) I really love that. There's two things. I do. There's two reasons they had the back door. One, wealthy widows with all this money, they were still discouraged from making their own investments. They were expected to give their money over to their sons or their, you know, like whatever male relative. But some of them were like, no, I want to invest it on my own. And they didn't want to be discriminated against. So they'd come into the back door. And another one, a big industry that they represented was madams. Uh, That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. You got a woman with a lot of money. That's another reason for their back door. And again, we don't discriminate. Make that money, honey. Backdoor guests are best. Yes. (laughs) So, of course, this was not all good press. Um, And Tennessee got into a lot of trouble because she had some unpaid debts. I want to say gambling debts, but I don't know that for sure. But she had some debts in Chicago. I think it was probably some gambling debts, but there was probably all kinds of other shit. We don't know what she did. She owed a lot of money. (laughs) So the the debtors end up showing up in New York and they're like, ha ha, gotcha, found ya. (laughs) And so Vicky and Tenny, they literally are like, uh, clearly you you have the wrong person. I don't know who you're talking to right now. We don't know her. Yeah, who's new mailbox? Who dis? Yes. So obviously there has to be someone in Chicago with the same names as us. Out of the charity of our own hearts, we will pay this debt of this poor woman from Chicago who couldn't pay her own debts and had to pretend to be us. And they were like, no, it it was you. Because it's not like she, it's not like Tennessee's name is like Jane Smith. <laughs> Uh, no, it's true. Tennessee Claflin. There ain't a whole <laughs> bunch of them flopping about. Flopping about. But they're like, no, no, there seems to be some misunderstanding here. And they're like, well, it's a woman named Tennessee Claflin who fits your exact description. And they're like, we'll pay your debts out of charity for this woman who is using my name. And everyone was just like, we don't believe you, but okay. So the story was published about Tennessee owing all the money in Chicago, and it was 
published um and then harriet beecher stoho (laughs) (laughs) she bought an extra space right beneath the little publishing story and was like hmm i'm gonna write about careers that are suitable for women and guess which one of them wasn't it was stockbroker it was like careers that are suitable for women mother period (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that shady bitch. <laughs> yeah, so that really set kind of like the Beecher family against the Claflin Woodhull family uh, feud. Susan B. Anthony came and you know profiled their firm for her paper, which was exactly the crowd that Vicky won. Then, you know, running on in. Yeah. <laughs> but then she gets that paper and realized it was a newspaper only about feminists and only about suffragist issues. And she was like, mm, again. Like she had been annoyed with before. It was like, we're preaching to the fucking choir here. The only people getting this paper about women's issues are people that are already interested in women's issues. Mm-hmm. We need to make a paper that reaches across the aisle. Yeah, it needs to reach Becky in Arizona. Yes. So she's like, I'm going to start my own fucking paper. And they call it the Woodhall Claflin Weekly. It got 20,000 subscribers, which for the time... It's not bad. It's not bad. And so what they focused on, you know, they primarily focused on women's issues, but they also published stuff about finance, surprise, spiritualism, surprise, abolitionist, surprise, and vegetarianism. That one did actually surprise me. (laughs) And Katie was like, where can I sign up for this? I like all of these things. (laughs) But no, it was... It was just so interesting. They were just being like, because so many other special interest papers at the time focused in on one special interest. And this one, it practiced what she preached. She was like, we need to become equals with men. Well, men are talking about finance. Men are talking about, you know, and so they made sure to have men writers on their paper. Whereas, um, uh, Susan the, B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony's was mainly just other women or other mm. feminists, which really I think is a great idea because well, you like, got to incorporate regular make people. allies. You yeah. got to make allies. Yeah, exactly. So the primary writers for the paper are Vicky Tenney and Colonel Blood. And, you know, they would take the submissions from, you know, anyone else that wanted to like write in about stuff so long is, you know, as part of their brand, the free love brand. Yeah, <laughs> free love was a regular topic, so it was a little bit controversial. One man that wrote for the paper was this guy named Theodore Tilton. So do you remember in the last episode where I said that her first biographer mm. wrote about her being a green leaf and her family being a caterpillar? That's a very deep statement. So that biographer is this guy, Tilton. So he has a way with words. He has a way with words. <laughs> and he joins their newspaper and he becomes very um, kind of like blood, just being like, wow, this woman is amazing. So there are some disputes about their relationship. The book that I read that I mentioned earlier, Notorious Victoria, there's no disputes in there. She apparently straight up told somebody like, yeah, he's my lover. And remember this for years. Yeah. (laughs) Her and blood believe in free love. They weren't super open about it because that wasn't a time when you could be, it still would be a hard time to be a politician or something and have like a free love relationship. Yeah. So they were both probably having affairs with each other's consent. So his name survives as one of her major biographers. And we're going to go down a rabbit hole real quick, which I swear, I swear to you, Nathan, do you, do you promise to believe me that I swear to you? <laughs> I swear to you, this rabbit hole is going to be super relevant to the next episode. Oh, I believe you. So <laughs> Tilton was married 
to a woman that cheated on him. They were not in a free love relationship, so it broke his heart when he found out that she was pregnant by another man, as it would. Yeah, I mean, it's not not a good thing to have over breakfast tea. No, and the man that she was pregnant by was a famous preacher. Preacher Breacher? I don't know, we'll talk about it next time. And so Tilton and his wife were separated, but they never did like a legal separation. They never did like a legal divorce because they didn't want to bring that scandal into Uh their lives. But he's single, ready to mingle. He's single, ready to mingle. On the dating apps. In his heart, maybe not legally. Yes. Anyway. So that's my rabbit hole that might be relevant at some other point. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, Vicky is killing it. She's doing so, such a good job. She's looking around her apartment full of the Claflins, and she's like, um, let me upgrade you. Um, auto Need upgrade you. Ya. <laughs> so they're moving on up to a mansion. <laughs> that's how the story goes, right? <laughs> I know. Can you I mean, imagine? Starting your life in like the shittiest town, not the shittiest town, the shittiest home, home in just like a backwater town and then moving into a four story mansion in the middle of New York. Bitch, please. <laughs> and that's I made a positive it. bitch. Please. I made it. <laughs> so it was called the Murray Mansion and it's on 15th East 38th street so the mansion again is like no longer there like her other house i googled it though what's there right now is like a little shopping center and there's a victoria's secrets in it which i love because her name is victoria oh oh i see what you did (laughs) so the extended family they stayed back in the apartment but her and Blood and the kids move into the four-story mansion, as one would, if that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the neighborhood, they weren't into them. They were like, who is this free love lady? Who are these hippies moving on to my lot? <laughs> we don't want them in our debutante society. They just ignored them. They were like, what? And, and guess what? She's like, uh, middle fingers up. Tell them, boy, bye. She was like, oh, have you seen my bank account? No? Fuck you. Fuck all y'all. Love it. So there's only one problem. Um, Remember her first husband, you know, the doctor who wasn't really a doctor? Canning. Um, Yeah, canning. Sir drinks a lot. And Sir drinks a lot. Shows up up and dude is dying. Yeah, he's he's got like a liver disease or like. Because he's been drinking, passed out in the street too much. Um, And the last few years have not been really good on him. And he's really got nowhere to go. And so he's like, "Mm, can you take me in? And she's obviously not a heartless bitch. So she's like. She's the, it's the father of her children. How can you? And he's living on the streets. You would literally have to be, if you've got all this. And the father of your children is living on the streets. You would have to be a heartless bitch to just be like, yeah. bye. So yeah. I don't want to say like she took them in as charity. She just did it because she just felt like you just have to kind of do that. Yeah. And Canning is like actually really good with their special needs son, Byron. Byron, so, yeah. yeah. So having him there wasn't a bad thing especially for someone who's special needs to have a familiar face to help you through those things and like i feel like victoria never thought that this would ever be a scandal because mm-hmm. she's always taken in family you know what uh, i mean and she's selling always... and selling lion opium <laughs> no she didn't do that her dad did that but no th- i just don't think she ever thought for a minute that taking in her deadbeat ex-husband would ever be a scandal. Foreshadowing. Huh. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but she was just like, what? Was I expected to let him die on the streets? It's the father of my children, you know? Yeah, I just married that guy a, a few, not a hot minute ago, and he had my kids, so I can't do anything about it. Mm. I think it's, um, I think it shows her level of empathy. She okay. could have just let him die on the streets. But she didn't. Yeah. She's she grown. Look at me. She she grown. Yeah. She woke. 
So now Victoria wants to do something big to bring attention to this suffragist movement that's going on. Well, now she's got the money. She's got the name. She's got yes. the yes. presence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she lands a speaking spot to the House of Representatives at a congressional committee. This is huge. It's fucking huge. A woman has never spoken at a congressional committee before. This is such a big fucking deal. Yes. <laughs> so she's like uh, the first female stockbroker, first woman to speak in front of Congress. Or, but it's, she's it's got big clit energy. Is what's yes, on. big yes. clit energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the woman of the suffragist movement showed up in droves. Like they're yeah. like pulling up in there. Who is this nobody yes. that none of us have ever heard of? that has a spot speaking in front of a congressional committee. So they're all pumped up. They're all jazzed. She's now being like painted up as this like up and coming face of the woman's suffragist movement, which is a really powerful endorsement. (laughs) And like all the big hitters showed up, you know, all the people we've discussed before, Susan B. Anthony was there. The Preacher Beachers were there. Elizabeth <laughs> Cady Stanton was there. Everybody was there. It was like a big fucking how how table. must she have felt? Like how would she have felt in this? The, the, the thing is, I didn't put it in the notes because um, I didn't think we'd have time to go into it. But fuck it, there was actually an event already planned for that day that she didn't know about, and they canceled the event to come and see. Like there was already like a uh, rally. She was like, I don't know. There's not Facebook. I don't know when your fucking events are. They canceled their event to all come watch her. Like all the movers and shakers. So it was a big, big, big fucking deal. I'm going to dust off the shoulders. (laughs) Get that. Third off your shoulders. Yes, bitch. So like Vicky stands in front of everybody and is like, you know, she argues that This is what's really powerful. She argues that women already had the right to vote Mm -hmm. because of the Civil War and the 14th and 15th Amendments. Mm -hmm. Um, Go read them if you haven't. But the 14th says, like, (laughs) the 14th says that if you are anyone that's a natural born citizen of the United States can vote. And the 15th Amendment says that every citizen has the right to vote. Well, the 14th Amendment says if you were... Born in America, you're a citizen. Yes. And then the 15th Amendment says that if you're a citizen, you have the right to vote. And so this was meant to be applied, if you don't know anything about the American Civil War. So like enslaved people, they went from being property to citizens. So if you were born in America, you're a citizen, whereas before you were property. And if 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 you were born in America, you're a citizen, now you have the right to vote. So she used that law to basically say, well, every person has the right to vote. Am I not a person? I was born here. I was born in Ohio. (laughs) Last time I checked, that was America. I'm a citizen. Well, no, they were like, they're like, well, women don't pay taxes. So, and she's like, um, I have this newspaper and this brokerage, like I'm mm, making coin. I play plenty of fucking taxes. So I have the right to vote already. And they all went. (laughs) (laughs) That is a direct quote from the white white men in the 1870s. Yes. It's so. So. It's so fucking frustrating. Yes, it is. Uh, Because then they went and changed the wording of the fucking amendments uh, to be like all men are born as citizens. uh, Bag of dicks. (laughs) 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 Jess. So while her speech didn't change any lawmakers' minds, it got lots of press coverage. I think she knew that she wasn't going to walk in and be like, we already have the right to vote. And they were just going to be like, oh my God, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) She knew there was going to be pushback. But all the newspapers covered it. And I think that's what she was really going for Mm -hmm. and susan b anthony wrote of her at the time if it takes youth beauty 
and money to capture Congress, Victoria is our girl. Um, Susan B. Anthony would later change that, but let's yeah. just let's just bask in the glory. <laughs> so her congressional hearing was in January. So in April of that same year, she writes to the New York Herald and asks them to publish a letter that she had handwritten. You know, please and thank please you. and thank you. <laughs> and that letter was to announce that she would be putting in her candidacy for the president of the United States. A person with a vagina. Uh, Running uh, for president. How can you do this? But the vagina. (laughs) Will Ah. the vagina get in the way Uh, of the voting of the brain? How can you how can you politic without with boobs? Vagina. (laughs) And vagina. How can you move? How can you, how hysteria? How does one do it? Yeah. <laughs> She's all of like 32 years She's old. She's only 32 years old, which is technically illegal. You do have to be 35 <laughs> to become president. Um, and also she, well, she's a woman and there is technically no law on the books against a woman running for president. Ugh. But there is technically someone under 35 <laughs> along against that becoming president. But she's like, fuck it, doing it anyway. (laughs) So in the Herald, she wrote, while others wished for a good time coming, I worked towards it. While others argued for equality with men, I proved it was my business. All valid points, Vicky. So so we're going to put a pin in this and we're going to be back in about two weeks. After that two weeks, we are going to take a little break for Thanksgiving, but then we'll be back after that. So thanks for joining us. Nathan, I can't wait to find out what happens. I already know what happens and it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can read books. (laughs) Cheers, bitches. Cheers, bitches. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Thanks guys for listening. Cheers. Bye girl. Clink, clink. <laughs> Hello everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.